Today's very special book club edition of One Shining Podcast is brought to you by the ringer.com Tate, where this week, maybe tomorrow, I I wrote a monster college basketball column. It was like 4,000 words. And I think it's going to go up tomorrow. Tomorrow being, what, Wednesday? So I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to go up Wednesday, but I'm not really sure. The editing process, when I write stuff, um, editing takes a little bit of time because I have a tendency to put way too many inappropriate jokes and stuff. So um, anyway, it's going to go up at some point this week. Uh, check that out. I'm I'm writing about all the stuff that happened basically in the offseason. And oh boy, was there a lot of stuff that's happened this offseason. I'm excited it's a monster college basketball piece. I was really hoping it was going to be a one-eyed monster, monster college basketball piece, but the one-eyed mm. monster is well, for the podcast. That's right. That's correct. There's plenty There's plenty of references to the one-eyed monster in mm. this. Uh, yeah, it's just going to... Again, I don't know how... I don't know when it's going to go up uh, because I do this thing that... I, I probably shouldn't say this on the podcast, so... Ringer editors, if you're listening, please stop the podcast. Okay, so Tate, my move is I do the thing where you put like, like if you want to get an inappropriate joke into your piece, you write something that's just like super inappropriate, and then they have, they cut that one out, but they leave the initial joke in. You know what mm, I mean? Mm, like you yes. have to you have to give them something in the negotiation. So that's that's what I tend to do. If it's like if I come up with like a really good Rick Pitino joke or like something about Zion Williamson being fat, etc. Um, and I'm like, man, I don't know if I can get this one by. What I do is I some I say something very, very heinous that I know is going to jump out to them. Mm-hmm. Something, something as <laughs> heinous as saying one, a hurricane is going to be tremendously wet. That that was something as heinous as that. Wait, well, who said that? Our our president just said that about North Carolina's hurricanes. Oh, said they're going to be tremendously wet. I was like, that's that's is, great. Spot the lie, Tate. <laughs> spot the lie. Um, what do you what do you have to plug? By the way. GM Street. Plug something. Ma- Michael Lombardi. Okay. His book came out today. Uh, friend of the program, Michael Lombardi. Uh, Gridiron Genius book came out. Uh, podcast just went up. I just got done editing that podcast. Woo! I just got done speaking about, you know, the NFL for two hours. All things that happened in, in the NFL for two hours. So it was a great time. Uh, learned a lot. And now, uh, yeah, go check it out. GM Street. It just went live right now. That's all I have to plug. And awesome. Dual Threat with Kyle def- and Ryan Rosillo. We'll, we'll plug that too. Yeah, Dual Threat with Kyle, who is slowly getting away from our pod and we're never going to see him again. So by the time the season starts, uh, Kyle will be long gone and we'll be stuck with someone else. And as jacked as Rosillo. That's it. Yeah. That's sad. Um, today, we're doing the book club. We told you guys we were doing it last week. That's what we're going to do. We're, we're going through the book. Did you read the book, Tate? Yes, I read the read book. read the Patino book? Yes, it took, it took quite some time. It took some weird stares. I, I was going through a lot in my actual life, but I was still That's reading great. the book. Uh, in the hospital, huge... on an airplane... In our nation's capital, all across the globe. I'm gonna I'm gonna have you elaborate on the story. Uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna talk all things Patino, my story, the book, our thoughts on everything. Um, maybe get to some other stuff. We'll see what happens. Uh, but first, what do you do? Welcome to the podcast that Greg Oden says he listens to when he can, when he when he can listen. Is that what he said? Is that that's what that's what he said, right? Dude? Yeah, when he can listen, he listens when he can. Yeah, there when you go. I listen when I can. Was the podcast that uh, Tate Kentucky beat Florida and Kansas won on the road. It's uh, it's is it is it basketball season already, folks? Yeah, it feels like <laughs> it. Yeah, we got it. We got those jokes in for all those college yeah. fans out yeah. there. Yeah, it, it happened. Um. 
I'm excited to talk to you about this Rick Pitino book. Uh, but first, like every other book club, we have to make small talk. You know, mm. like you get, you show up. I've been in one book club in my life and we almost never talk about the book. You show up and you just talk about like what's going on in your life and problems that you're having in your life and all that kind of stuff. So my question to you to start out this book club was how was your weekend tape? Oh, it was a, a pretty fun weekend. You know, I went to Washington, mm. D.C. for a wedding. Nice. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, Charlie, known in the Lebetard circle, if you're a fan of Dan Lebetard, as Old Money Charlie. Uh, he got married this weekend. I was happy to be there. Saw a lot of great people uh, in the sports media world. Had a lot of, you know, talk and shop about a lot of things. Uh, how was your weekend, Mark? So you're telling me, yeah, you're telling me a man nicknamed Old Money had a wedding in, in DC. Yeah, we were at the Some, DAR. I, I, I have a good idea of, I have a good idea of what this wedding was like, and it seems like it would be fun. And it, I should have been your plus one, Tate. <laughs> it hurts. I'm it sorry. Hurts. <laughs> next time, next time, right? Maybe. Uh, we'll see. Uh, how was your weekend? We. Can you tell me about your weekend? I had a fantastic weekend. weekend. Yeah, what'd you do? Yeah, so Friday, Friday we uh, we had at Ohio State the former players reunion, mm. um, where everybody who played at Ohio State was a manager at Ohio State. I happen to be both, but they don't they don't put that on my car. I should get extra credit because I was both, but whatever. You're a true um, dual threat, or yeah, dual threat with Mark Titus. There you go. That that should be the podcast. Uh, or, or if you coach, you're invited back. We do a big get together. It's a big reunion. Like it's it's a ton of fun. Uh, I I try not to gravitate to the same guys. Like I I have a tendency to just kind of like hang out with the people that I see all the time at these things. So I try to like go meet new people. Uh, hung out with talked a little bit to Clark Kellogg. Met met the met the guys on the 1960 team. Love mm. that they always come back. The uh, national the one national championship that Ohio State won. Um, not like Havlicek and Lucas and Bob Knight don't ever come back, which kind of <laughs> sucks because that's you know. Those are the those are the guys you really want to see. But uh, some of the guys from the 1960 team had a good time. It was awesome. The managers on Ohio State. So here's the story for you, Tate. I'm walking into the to the arena, and you walk in like uh you enter the rotunda, like where the fans would enter on game day, right? And then you had there there's a bunch of managers with the name cards that they hand out to you, uh, and then you put your little name thing on. You know, it's 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 on a lanyard, so you throw it over your neck, and then you walk down to the party on the on the main court or whatever. So I walk into the rotunda, and the Ohio State managers say, shit you not, give me a standing ovation, Tate. Mm. It was fantastic. It was great. And then I realized, like, for like two seconds, I was very excited. I was like, oh, my God, I'm getting more respect in these five seconds than I got in four years of playing here. This is incredible. But then as soon as they stopped clapping, they were like, you got to talk about us on the pod. And then I realized what was happening, and they were playing me. But it worked, because here I am talking about this. Yeah, it was a coup. And then they gave me— Good work. And they, then learned, they, gave they learned me from a, the best. And then, and then they passed out, like at the end of the night, they passed out shirts and they gave me one to give to you. And they're like, Tate's going to love us. We want, we want, we want a shout out on the pod. And I said, no, but damn it. I just gave him a shout out. <laughs> what kind um, of shirt was it? <laughs> it just, it says like Ohio state, like mm. our family, our program. That's our slogan. I like that. It hey. says our family, our program. That's our, we didn't go with the brotherhood nonsense. We didn't do all that. It just says our family, our program. Yeah. Um, it's the so, Carolina family too. We, we work in families. We don't work in brotherhoods. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the reunion continued, Tate. On Saturday night, I went to uh, uh, Greg and I went to Indianapolis and we showed up at, at Thad Mata's house and we just threw back some beer and watched some football and shot the shit. And let me tell you, if Coach Mata comes on this podcast, mm. we are going to do numbers. Um, <laughs> if, if an inebriated Coach Mata comes on this podcast, yes. we're going to do some serious numbers. The algorithm will bless us. Uh, the problem is, like, I don't know if he's ever going to do it because. My God, the conversations that were being had that I can't repeat on this. I'm going to let him do it for me, but um, that's a little teaser. We were having a good time talking about FBI stuff and coaches and 
uh, his trip to Ole Miss. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. Did he read the Patino yeah. book? Did it, you ask him about the book? Did he read the Georgia, book? No, no, no. I, I, I asked him about stuff I was reading in the Patino book and he, uh, he had some thoughts, but again, it's not, I'm not at Liberty. I, I, I'm, I'm a shitty journalist. So like, I don't, I'm not going to actually like talk about this stuff because, mm. uh, I'm bad at my job. Um, but yeah, we're, but the goal, like I am going to try to get him on the podcast to talk and open up and, and spill the beans a little bit because, uh, yeah, it was a good time. We had, a, we had, we had a lot of fun. So, um, anyway, I had a great weekend. Good, good, good time. But as you said, the Patino book happened. We read it. I read it certainly. Uh, I, w- I was making notes, I guess like my question the, the, to start off this book club officially, where do we want to go with this? Do we want to go chapter by chapter? Do we want to just like start with our overall thoughts on the book? Um, I'll, I'll let well, you decide. Choose your own adventure, Tate. Well, we we reached out to some professionals in the book club world, uh, and uh, I asked what the, the standard book club fare and the standard book club questions would be. We're done with the small talk. That was, you know, that was fun. That was a nice 10 minutes of small talk. And now we're here. And now we have to actually see who actually mm. read the book, which is... Uh, yeah, I, exactly. That's I, the, I honestly that's think people, people do book clubs just to see how dedicated someone is to something. It's more like a character test than it is about the book. And you just learn about you know people this way. So I think people do these book clubs for this sole reason. And here we are. Let's see if I read the book. Uh, I think we should just do some questions. Uh, and, and the first one is okay. starts, starts with the title. You know, Patino, My Story. We, we touched on it a little bit with our premature talk last week. But... When we talk about the title, like, you know, how does the title reflect to the book? I will say it was Rick Pitino's story, right? When I read this book, it is Rick Pitino writing it. You know what I mean? I felt like he was speaking straight to the soul, (laughs) staring straight through me. Oh, my God. Wearing a white suit. Like almost lecturing me. Let me say this. Like one of his 3,000 leadership speeches. That's what I felt like I was getting in this book. Right. I don't know who Seth Kaufman is. No offense to Seth Kaufman. I don't mean to say this. Uh in a derogatory manner, but um, it's clear to me that Seth Kaufman, if if you have credentials and are a writer for a living, that you, Seth Kaufman, by the way, is the guy who who helped, according to the the, the cover of the book, helped Rick Pitino write this book. Uh, I don't think you helped Rick Pitino write this book at all. <laughs> I, think, my, I think he my God, was this a shittily written I, I, book. I think he went to yeah. Rick Pitino's house. Rick Pitino was walking around, had a cane in his hand, and was just pacing back and forth speaking up to the stars and he just sat there with his computer and was yeah. typing as fast as possible. It, I, I want a camera, I want a documentary, like a, a, a dare I say, 15 second documentary. Um, I want a documentary on uh, of, of video cameras just following Seth Kaufman during this book writing process because like, as I'm reading this book, I'm thinking either this man is just not a good writer or like, he was just cashing a paycheck and was just like, you got to be fucking kidding me. I can't believe I'm writing this Rick Pitino book. <laughs> and he was just like, yeah, sure, Rick, I'll, I'll write that. Yeah, whatever, whatever. And just kind of mailed it in, which I don't blame him at all. That's exactly what I would have done. But the point is, uh, this was not a well-written book. And I don't mean that from the sense of like the actual, I don't mean like I disagree, although I do disagree with a lot of stuff in here. And I have thoughts on the actual content of the book. I mean that like, if, if, if you're telling me, Tate, that... W- what what was Rick Pitino's purpose of writing this? I guess is my question, and and the answer is probably the answer that he keeps giving is like I want to get the truth out there. Mm. But then my my question becomes, why do you spend what do you spend like a hundred pages telling us about his life story, like how he got to Louisville in the first place? Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then he diverts and he goes on this. He, there's this long chapter explaining how AAU basketball works, as though like. <laughs> 
like listen, Rick, everybody listens to One Shiny Pod. We know how the bag dropping yeah, works. Yeah, we get we it. Know that the bag shoe dropping, brands, like yeah, we get every, it. Everybody it, it was like as if yeah. he's like I mean, illuminating. Yeah, he's like didn't you feel like he was like lecturing you for like, you know, this is yeah, that's this what is I mean. like the first time we ever heard anything like this in the world. Like we would be shocked and stunned by it. That's where I was confused. Yeah, he goes Rick, we know. Dude, there's a <laughs> there's a point in the prologue where he goes, I'm reading word for word. This is from the prologue. In many ways, recruiting in college basketball has become as competitive as the games themselves. It stands to reason. College basketball is a multi-billion dollar business. The better your team does, the more money your school will make. And the better your recruiting class is, the better your team will do. So let's complete the circle. The better your recruiting class is, the more money your school is likely to make. <laughs> yes. Connect there's like, the dots. There's like so many things like this yes. in the book where it's like, no shit, dude. Thank you. Um, I, 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 so that was... I want to that, give another, that was my problem yeah, that yeah. jumped out to me. I want to give one more example of a caveat like that. He's speaking about Adidas and Gato or whatever, and then he just do, does like a nice little indention, and then he goes, who who formerly worked at Nike? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like <laughs> he, he did, you know, he did like little subtle stuff like that, where it was like little yes. subtle remarks that, you know, was just trying to, in case you forgot, he also was at Nike, so it wasn't just Adidas. You know, I don't deal with just Adidas, you know, just like you think I did. I promise I didn't do that. Um, so that was just, the, that was this whole book entirely. It's just like Rick Pitino telling you, Directly to your face, a lie. Telling you a lie, but staring but you directly in the it eye is his story. and lying. It's awesome. It is his story. It's 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 Patino, my story. That's exactly what we got. Um, as again, as you're reading through it, you just you can tell that like the the editing is. T- there's so many typos, Tate. And as I, you know, listen, <laughs> I'm I write for a living. I'm a professional writer. I'm an author. I'm a published author. There's there's as far as I know, there's one typo in my book. Um, and I still lose sleep at night thinking about the one typo in my book. Uh, but typos do happen, but my God, like this, this book was like littered with typos. The, the, the structure of it like made no damn sense whatsoever. <laughs> um, I mean, let's be honest. We, we all wanted like all, yeah, all we wanted to hear him talk about was you, you had sex with a chick in an Italian restaurant and then paid for her abortion. Mm. You had hookers having sex with your recruits. And you paid $100,000 to Brian Bowen. Th- those are it. Th- those are the three things we want to read about. That's what this book should have been about. It was not. Um, so I was disappointed just in like the writing and all that kind of stuff. Just just the narrative of the book. Even if you're selling me a lie, like make it an interesting lie. And this pl- this thing was all over the place. So that's mean, my first initial thought. And, and he says, you know, at one point in the book, he says, he says something along the lines of, to the outsiders looking in, uh, I can see how I might easily appear to be a villain, right? You probably would list those things you just <laughs> listed. So, yes, maybe. Maybe that would look like a villain. Uh, and, and if you only read the headlines, you know, um, I would think I was a bad guy too, is what he says. So, um, I he yeah, didn't really... So what, so what are we doing, Rick? <laughs> so, so what are we doing, Rick? Because you didn't really debunk any of those things. You just kind of were like, yeah, I mean, all that stuff's yeah. been written about me and th- that paints me as a villain and uh, all those things are true. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, okay. Uh, and that's what that's oh when I get God. to my next question in the book club. Is the main character okay. likable? Why or why not? Wait, wait, hold on. Can, can I stop you for a second? Where where are these questions coming from? They're coming from a book club that my mom's in. And uh this, this is this is what they do. You know, they ask these questions. These are good questions. These are these are standard Did- fair questions for a very standard fair, uh direct Attack on the reader. Okay, this is, uh, via these, are, these are the boilerplate book club questions yes. that you pulled from yes. experts. Um, yes, we, we should have had your mom join the Rick Pitino book club as well, and we could have had her discuss her thoughts. But okay, so go back. What was the question? Is the main character the second, of this book, who happens to be, uh, I would say, Rick Pitino, uh, is he likable? So. Why or why not? 
Uh, Jeff Van Gunny the forward um, says he is likable, and he basically put a, a direct threat on all athletic directors that they should try to hire him uh, to come back to basketball. So Van yeah, Gundy's in. Jeff Van Gundy. Jeff Van. I needed. I needed more from Jeff Van Gundy. His forward was great. Uh, I mentioned it last week that he calls Coach Patino coach. Yes. Which like. Again, this is I'm not even really making fun of him. I just it's just the whole culture of calling people coach. I absolutely love. I eat that shit up. Uh, mm-hmm. That's why I want to become a coach. That's really it. Um, Grant Grant Hill calling Bill Raftery coach when they call games together is like the funniest shit that happens every college basketball season. Uh, so I I love I love Van Gundy calling him coach. But you're absolutely right. Is like there was this tone from Van Gundy in the forward that was basically like he was writing it to athletic directors saying hire Rick Patino. Do it, you pussy. I, I bet you won't. I bet you won't. <laughs> yeah. Do it. Yeah. Do it. Do, Do it. it. Yeah. Hire him. Mm-hmm. Hire him. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was awesome. It um, was really good. Yeah. That was that was really, really good. So so the question is, is Rick Patino likable? Uh I would say I would actually say yes mm. in the book, right? Yeah. Like, so if 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 we're reading the book as though it's fiction, or or, or just <laughs> if you're reading the book as though it's like presented to you. You know, if you know nothing about this man and you picked up this book and read it, I think you would come away saying like, "Yeah, Rick Patino did nothing wrong. Like it's, he's he's actually kind of likable." It's Patino's so perception. Way, yes, it's Patino's perception. It's right. not reality, but it's his perception of what happened, which is fair. But everyone, we do, but, everyone has their own but, vantage point. But, but we obviously know things outside of this book. So mm. the real answer for me was no, and I was I, I was highlighting shit like. Dude, I started highlighting stuff as I was as I was going through it, and then I was making like I was writing down notes of all the stuff I highlighted, and then I swear to God, like my notes were on pace to be longer than the book itself. <laughs> and I'm, so I'm trying to like organize everything, but um, I would say I would say he made so he made to me one one very well he made a lot of mistakes, but the one that stood out to me was this that kept happening throughout the book was he he went overboard with explaining why he did everything he needed to do. Like if you're, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, if you accuse me of something and I, I did it, or maybe if I even didn't do it, I'm not going to say like, I, I'm not going to like use hyperbole in my defense of myself and how much I didn't deny this stuff. So the example I would use from the book is like, Patino says like a thousand different times, I would hammer my staff every single day do not even jaywalk. Do mm. not even Don't sneeze the in the wrong direction. Yep. Do not even... And it's like, dude, that's total bullshit. And as soon as you start like talking and speaking in this hyperbole, I I, I immediately just go, you're full of shit. And, but this is what he was doing throughout the entire book. Is like, I was absolutely shocked by what McGee did. I just couldn't believe it. I didn't... You know, like I, I told him over... And I, I had Andre McGee in my office literally every single day for 10 straight hours a day. And I told him, you better follow the rules. And mm-hmm. I said it to him thousands of times. And it's like, dude, that can't possibly be true. So rein it in. Just tell us what happened. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then we might believe you. Like, <laughs> and, and, he, and he says the same thing with Jordan Fair, too, who, you know, obviously is with the Dawkins yeah. situation. He, he's like, you know, I, I, I taught him the absolute letter of the law. Uh, of recruiting violations uh, as if he just sat him down every single day and they went through like the NCAA bylaws together about what is a violation, what isn't a violation. And that, that was every single day that they did this. Um, and and it, it gets to the point where, you know, he he basically, he, he basically was like, I'm more upset with Jordan Fair than I am with, you know, McGee, right? That was like his, that's the big takeaway that he's more upset mm-hmm. with Jordan Fair. Yeah. And... <laughs> And if you think about that, it's like, well, that's because Jordan Fair is the one that really got him screwed in the end, right? I mean, because he's with Dawkins. 
So he's still like that's why he's upset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like he's still like vindictive about. It's not even about like the character. Like you're, you're talking about Al. It's all about the character at the top, but then at the bottom, it's not really about that. It's about at the end of the day, that was the downfall. That decision by Jordan Fair to be with Christian Dawkins, doing whatever in Vegas, taking these dinners, you know, bopping around. That was really your downfall. So therefore, that's what you're upset about. We know, Rick. We get it. Yeah, we get it. I he, mean, he actually did say. I'm trying to find the section where he where he said it, but uh, if I remember right. Um, he definitely did say I'm more upset with Jordan Fair, but then like the way he the way he explained why was so much funnier than what you just said. It was he was just like like well, he, Andre McGee. He, he said was I, he led astray by like Conman? He said was he led astray by Conman? Yeah, yeah. That was the line. Yeah, yeah. Like like it was like a like he was shouting to the gods in the heavens, you know. Or, or did what? he did I want to I want to say he like dismissed Andre McGee as just like a sociopath or something. I swear he used the word sociopath for yeah. one of them, where he was just what? like, no, he's McGee, like, McGee, McGee's McGee a sociopath, so I understand. Yeah, he said, well, he yeah, said he's either being blackmailed or he's a sociopath. And he's <laughs> like, so that one actually sort of makes sense to me. But the Jordan Fairwell, I just don't get it. So like, I can see him Which, getting blackmailed. By the way, hold up. So this is my other my other overarching uh, big, big picture complaint about how Patino goes about framing his stuff so the first one like i said is that he he's denying way too hard and as you said mm. the, the rick patino mantra is deny 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 on the court off the court it doesn't matter that's his mantra uh but he's, he's taking it overboard with that number two um he's playing up the shock thing too much and i know that's like been a <laughs> shtick for god knows how long he's just like i was shocked to learn about these allegations but, and i was shocked to discover but t- titus but, he's never appalled what He's always shocked. He's never, but he's, he's never appalled. Shocked. He's just shocked. He, Dude, he, I started. He, he at, understands at certain, it could happen, at, but so he's just shocked, at, but not appalled. I, I didn't actually add it up, but I was going to. I started highlighting every time I saw the word "shocked" in the book, and then I was going to count them up, but then I realized, like again, this whole damn book is highlighted for me. And then <laughs> I, I, I made the mistake of highlighting too much because now it's now when I flip through, like I can't even find stuff because damn, everything's highlighted. Uh, but. Um, um, what I was going to say is like, he's shocked and it gets to a point where like, he, he's, he's going overboard with that as well. Not just in the sense of like, come on, dude, I'm sure you knew something. It's that he, he's pretending to like, not even know how stuff works. And to me, like this would be a fireable fence in and of itself. Even if you're going to believe that Rick Pitino didn't know any of these things, that he's a true victim in all of this. Um, the, the attitude that he has towards this stuff is a fireable fence. And what I mean by that is he's writing about like Andre McGee getting hookers for recruits and he's just completely in the, in the book. I mean, he is completely dumbfounded as to how this could happen and what McGee's motivations could be. He's like, I just, you know, I, I think about it every night before I go to bed. I just cannot for the life of me understand why this kid would do this. I, it just doesn't add up. Why, why would he do this? Why would he throw away his career? Why would he cheat? Why would, and it's like, you can't be serious, Rick. Like we all know you're not, you're going way overboard with this. Like the, the reason he did it is because he wants he wants players to come to the school. I I need to spell it out for Rick. Did like he did for us with the AAU basketball. So here's how it works, Rick. <laughs> you want the recruits to come to the school. Now the recruits they mm. like the sex. So what you got to do is you get the sex, you get the recruits to the school. That's how it works, and the circle is complete. <laughs> but I mean, like, how can you be that shocked and like dumbfounded as to why this man would do this? I don't know. He but he kept doing that with like everything. He's like, I'm so shocked that this happened, and I have no idea why. Why would why would Fair take money for Brian? Why would Brian Bowen even want money? I yeah, don't get it. It but, just doesn't make any sense but, to me. But then, but then when he's like explaining the corruption in college basketball with the the shoe companies and everything, he's like, "This has been going on for years." But it used to be like, you know, a nice dinner and and you know, your family would get to fly to the games. It's like, well, 
then you obviously understand the manipulation of the motivation that's been in play in college basketball forever. So why you can't be shocked by it. Right. Like you can't have it on both sides. Right. You can't, exactly. You can't say it's been happening all the time as your way to explain what's happening. <laughs> Even though you don't really explain what's happening. What I what I really wanted in this book was all the generic lines of Rick Patino saying, like, you know, so and so, this is how it goes. This is what we do. This is how the shoe companies are involved. This is how they get in with these AAU programs. Yada yada. He just had footnotes and he just had like you right. know, keywords for different people. And then we could just see who he was actually talking about, you know? It's like it was all he, he it was also all generalities. Did, and he also did a lot of times like that's a story for another day. Or, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's that's a, there's a long that's story about sequel. that. And I'm like, well, tell the fucking story, dude. You're right. That's for part two. <laughs> my story, part two. Oh my god. Yeah, he he just like like he's explaining how all of this stuff works, but then pretending like he doesn't know how any of this stuff works. And again, this this just like speaks to the to how the book was written. It was just it was just all over the place. I don't know. There was um. I'm trying to find this. The what, bird. What, uh, what, I'm, he, I, I, can I just say something? Like, what do you think the mission statement is of this book? Like, I, I wrote like when he wrote that. I wish I had an. I wish I had an unblemished record, but I did it for. I did it the right way for a long period of time. You know what I mean? It's like basically yeah. it was like I was doing it the right way for a long period of time, and then I stopped, and then I got caught, and. Can you guys just pat me on the back if you for take out, Can you just take out the end? Take you, out the moments. Yeah. you just cut out take all the Take out the moments shit? of scandal. Yeah, yeah I, I follow the rules at all times, and, that's, and I just don't understand is, why people are upset. That's the format of the book. Like, the first five to six chapters, you know, are just, like, the story of Rick Pitino, this guy that makes that uses this matchup zone, this guy that believed in the three-point line in Billy Donovan, this guy that did it the right way, this guy that could coach in the pros, this guy that could coach, come back to Kentucky and revive Kentucky. And it's all like the highlights of Rick Pitino to, to, to butter you all up. And then it takes this sharp turn to, okay, now we're going to talk about all this stuff that happened at the end. You know what I mean? That, that was like how the book was. But was he doesn't. Like, yeah, but it didn't really doesn't even do that. But yeah, I guess the other point, and and by the way, I should I should pause right here and mention like, don't buy this book if you haven't bought it already. <laughs> it's it's not a it's not a good book. It's not even like good and like a funny, entertaining. Like I I I I thought it was funny because it's serious. I I don't know. It's it, just because I think anything with Patino is funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and and also not to mention, like I actually found the stuff fascinating at the beginning. Mm-hmm. With the the stuff about his, uh his early career and yeah. all that stuff. The five-star um, basketball about game, how, Garfinkel, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, Howard Garfinkel, all that mm-hmm. stuff. How, how his first job in Hawaii was to make sure that Norm Sloan, who was flying from Japan back to the States and stopping in Hawaii, to make sure Norm Sloan didn't poach one of Hawaii's players and take him with him. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's he, he wrote that in there. And I'm like, can we get a book about this? Like, that's fast. He's like, my he, he says this, my first job, I could actually, I could probably find the actual set, the, the actual passage. Um, but anyway, it, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's irrelevant. The point is, uh, I found a lot of this stuff fascinating, but do not buy this book. It is not like, it's not even entertaining. And, and I guess that's the point of the ultimate point I want to make is that I was going into this tape. I wanted Jose Canseco, you know, I wanted like, mm-hmm. I, I wanted him to throw people under the bus. I wanted him to go in on people. I wanted him to just, I really just wanted him to have like a point of view. And I don't even know what his point of view is. He contradicts himself Every other sentence, it seems like, like I, 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 he's doing the thing. I take full responsibility, but also I need you to understand I did nothing wrong. Uh, here, here is like fifty pages on how shoes impact shoe companies impact AAU and how much money is in the sport. But also, I have no idea why anybody would do any of this. But also, he says at one point he said uh, he thinks like the exact same amount of cheating goes on today as it did fifty years ago, and like nothing's really changed. It's just there's he 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 makes that move where he's like, I think it's all the same. It's just there's more media attention now. 
Um, so he's just like all over the place. I the, the I, I guess I get it in a sense that like maybe he, he's I mean he's got the lawsuit out with Louisville, so maybe he can't say stuff because he his, he's handcuffed and he can't really go in. But then that brings us back to the million dollar question, Tate. Why even write the book then? Like if you can't say you know what people want and you don't even come close to giving people that. All you really did was shit on Papa John, which we'll get to in a little bit. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. That, that's my that's my thought. Just I'm I'm very very disappointed in you, Rick. Do better, Rick. Do better, Rick. I, I have a, a D.H. Lawrence line. Uh, you know, I never saw a wild thing sorry for itself. And I felt like this book, mm. you know, Rick Rick Pitino was, uh, you know, a, a, a wild, you know, character in the in the landscape of college basketball. And it, it now he is playing the, you know, pity card. And, uh, you know, like you know, poor pitiful me almost a little bit. But he's also a little bit jaded as he's doing that. He can't go all the way and lean in. I wanted this book to be... Al Pacino in Scarface doing the bad guy rant. You know what I mean? Like, you need yes. me. Yes. Like, you all need me. Yes. If you don't have Rick Pitino and you don't have me to, yes. to, to create this monster in college basketball, then you don't have the entertaining monster that you, you all want to enjoy. You know what I mean? That's what— Exactly. That is what I wanted Rick Pitino to write in this book. I wanted him to say, "That's what I want." Here's my story. Here's how I became the biggest name in college basketball, and here's how I fell flat on my ass. And here it is. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm the bad guy. If you want me that's, to be the bad guy, I'm the bad guy. That's all I want from any of any college scan any scandal that like college coaches, high profile coaches get wrapped up in and, and ultimately lose their jobs for or whatever. I just want like I want just one time one guy to come out and be like, I did it. I did it and I liked it. <laughs> and I I don't regret a damn thing. And you know, because yes. that, that's that's the attitude I wanted going into this book. And he just I, I don't know, Tate, I, but... Uh, I, I want Rick so, Pitino from that Italian restaurant to be writing this book. You know exactly. what I mean? I did it, and I liked it. Damn. I did it, and it felt good. <laughs> um, what are, You got any other questions that we should work yeah, let's keep Yeah, let's keep working down the book club. Uh, this is a good one. Uh, choose one word that describes the book to you, Pitino, my story. One word, Mark Titus, to describe the book, if, if you had one. Oh, I... I think disappointed. I think I have a great right? answer for this. <laughs> yeah. I think I have a great answer for this because this is. I just now remembered this, and I, this point needs to be made on this podcast, or I will never be able to live with myself. Um, as I'm looking at the cover of the book, mm. as it's sitting on my kitchen counter, uh, eat, I'm eating dinner. I'm I'm looking up at the book on my kitchen counter. Something jumps out to me, and it's the publisher of this book, Tate. And I don't know if you noticed this. the The publishing company of this book, and I shit you not. This is a hundred percent fact. It's called Diversion Books. <laughs> God, that's the name of the that's the name of the publisher, Tate. Yes, is divert, it like divert, divert, divert? <laughs> I'm gonna do the Chef's Kiss for the remainder of the podcast. You you just talk as you want. Oh my goodness, that is too diversion. Perfect. That that would be my one word, diversion, and that mm. that's probably his mission statement. Just diversion. I don't really know where I'm going with this book. I'm just gonna start writing, see what comes out. But like, I'm just gonna give something people people something to talk about and just divert them away from the time that I paid for a chick's abortion because he never even brought that up by the way that was the other thing is like it, there again there are three it was scandals alluded we want to hear yeah it about. was alluded to but it was yeah. never brought up specifically no, no dude not only did he allude like he alludes to it he's like I've made some mistakes including <laughs> yeah, mis one, one some mistakes yeah you know like I made one mistake that I'll regret for the rest of my life and I've paid dearly with my family. But then he can't even just like say that and be like, I really fucked up when I 
impregnated this chick and paid for her abortion and then let her stick around the program when she was married to my equipment manager and then just all of that shit. Like he, he, he couldn't just be like, I messed that up. He, he found a way to say like, I made, I made a mistake by, by letting a woman tempt me who then turned out to extort me and ruin my life. Like he, he, he spun it into like, Oh, by the way, don't forget she extorted me mm-hmm. and she's crazy, mm-hmm. <laughs> which mm-hmm. is true. Like we all know that's true, Rick, but can you just be like, I fucked up my bad. No, the answer is no, Tate. Yeah. So diversion would be my one word. Diversion They're, books. Diversion. Uh, my one word is defense or slash defense because that is what Ooh, nice. he basically framed this as. It was, I am the man that showed you the matchup defense, the defense that I think every basketball fan can all say that we all know Rick Pitino and the matchup defense is awesome. We respect it. We all know it's great. Uh, he was running a pick and roll when everyone wanted to run a motion offense. We all know him as this juggernaut in the world of basketball. We know he's a genius. But he framed this whole book as, I taught you how to play defense, and now I'm going to show you how to defend someone and defend someone's honor and defend my own honor in this whole book. And uh, I don't think he did. I mean, I guess he wrote, he put it all out there, but not even really. But it, it, it was not a good version of his matchup zone D. I was trying to think of a year of, of his defense <laughs> that was not that great. You know, maybe like, I don't know, the 97 Celtics or something like that. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the defense didn't work like, uh, his defense always did in college basketball. And, uh, that's my one word defense defense. Yeah. I like it. It's tough. Poor Rick. Quick break to get a word from our sponsor, Masterclass. Steph Curry's Masterclass is a once in a lifetime opportunity to learn from one of the greatest shooters in NBA history. Masterclass offers online classes taught by the best in the world and over four hours of movie quality video lessons. Steph will teach you perfect shooting mechanics, footwork, and scoring techniques, break down specific drills that will make you a better ball handler, analyze NBA game footage to improve your basketball IQ. In addition to Steph's class, you can choose from classes taught by over 35 other masters, including Gordon Ramsay, Malcolm Gladwell, and the great Opie, Ron Howard. New classes are always being added across a wide range of fields such as music, cooking, writing, film, and more. Whether you are pursuing your passion or developing your career, you'll find a masterclass for you. Masterclass is even featured by the New York Times, Vanity Fair, and ESPN. Uh, I got my masterclass with the great Stephen Curry because I I have to get in shape. I have to get back. Mm. I'm trying to become a basketball player so I can show up uh, and stop listening to all you losers talk about me. Um, So I am learning from (laughs) Steph Curry. Uh, I, I I hope to translate that into real life, and then I hope to you know make it happen. I'm going Joanna Man 2.0. That's what I'm trying to be. Uh, One Shining Podcast with Titus and Tate listeners can get Steph Curry's class or unlock as- access to every Masterclass for a year right now at masterclass.com slash shining. You'll gain unlimited access to over 35 world-class masters, all for one surprisingly low annual price. That's masterclass.com slash shining for unlimited access to Masterclass. Learn from the best in the world at masterclass.com slash shining. But wait, there's more, Tate. Yes. Uh, I want to talk to you about Stitch Fix. Mm. It is an online personal style. Th- this sounds like something you need, honestly. No no disrespect, I because I, I certainly need it as well. It is an online personal styling service that finds and delivers clothes, shoes, and accessories to fit your body, your budget, and your lifestyle. Budget, Stitch Fix yes. can help you find your new favorite piece of clothing. Just go to stitchfix.com slash shining and tell them your sizes, what styles you like, how much you want to spend on each item. You'll be paired with your very own personal stylist who will handpick five items to send right to your door. Then you try them on. Pay only for what you love. That's the key part. You're not you're not buying all this. You 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 try it on. You 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 pay what you like. You send the rest back. 
send them back, send them back. Shipping exchanges, returns, they're always free. There's no subscription required. You can sign up to receive scheduled shipments or get your fix whenever you want. Stitch Fix's styling fee is only $20, which is applied towards anything you keep from your shipment. I need this, Tate. I need this so badly. I, I've been trying to tell people that I am in the midst of my glow up. Um, I just I just recently learned what the phrase glow up means. And um, so I'm, I'm trying to pretend like I'm in the midst of my glow up. And I need, I need some fashion help. So I'm going to turn to Stitch Fix. I'm trying to be in my blow up. Uh, yeah. I want to, I want to, yeah, after the glow up, then I blow up. I yeah, that's the glow point. up, then blow up. Step one, show up. Mm. Step two, blow up. Step three, blow up. Step four, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Mm, so up. Profit, right? Is that the... Uh, is that yeah, the yes, yes. Instant um, profit. Profit. Uh, get started now at stitchfix.com slash shining, and you'll get an extra 25% off. Extra. That's on top of already all the savings that you get. When you keep all five items in your box, that's stitchfix.com slash shining to get started today. Stitchfix.com slash shining back to the book club all right so we're still working through it uh so <laughs> next one is uh did the author uh did the author rick patino um leave any loose ends and if so what were they <laughs> Let, let's be honest rick patino rick patino is a man that has always cleaned up his loose ends for the most part until the end <laughs> the, you, I, the I, end I was loose the actually, end was pretty loose i don't yeah, I don't believe that your mom actually asked these questions Dude. at your book club. Like, I think I, I think these were hand these were tailor made for this specific book. <laughs> I, they had to have been because yeah. this is too perfect. Uh, um, I will say, yes, loose ends were left. <laughs> shockingly, <laughs> um, so here I, I guess let's 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 shift the conversation to this tape because I think I think this is important that we do take five minutes to um, consider this or at least acknowledge it or whatever else. Uh, is there a chance in your mind that Rick Pitino, innocence, not the right word, but you believe some version of his reality that he's putting forth in this book? Um, because I think, I think I will, I will concede that there are interesting points that are made about like, I, th- I think I can get to a point where, I'm like 50-50 on whether he knew about certain things. I can't I can't get to a point where I'm like this man knew nothing about anything and all that. Like he he knew some stuff. Um but I I understand maybe like a little bit of the frustration might for him might come from like this idea that he orchestrated all of this stuff, that he was the one pulling the strings for Brian Bowen and mm-hmm. he was the one hiring the hookers himself. Mm-hmm. And for him it might be frustrating to be like I didn't hire the hookers. I had someone else hire the hookers or like this wasn't even my idea. I just found out you know, halfway through the operation, I found out that my assistant was doing this and I just didn't stop it. Like, I don't know what the reality is, but he's putting forth, like, there's no shred of evidence. There's this, there's that. Like, this is why he's suing Louisville. Um, all that kind of stuff. Is is any part of you, or were, were you reading this and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to entertain the possibility that maybe you shouldn't have been, like, there's like a technicality that you shouldn't have been fired and you might actually win this lawsuit against Louisville. Yes, because I think he was operating under the the age old CEO term of "Don't tell me how, tell me when." You know, that's what Rick mm. Pitino was doing. He was, I don't want to know how Brian Bowen is going to go and play for the University of Louisville. Just tell me when he's going to arrive, and I'm going to take it from there. Yeah, and and I don't, and I honestly just in the in the sheer from the sheer fact that I believe that Rick Pitino is a basketball junkie, and even he writes in the book like he wakes up now at four a.m. in the morning, puts on basketball shorts, and doesn't know what to do with himself. So. From that vantage point, 
yes, I do believe that Rick Pitino maybe in some in some cases had no idea how these guys were were getting recruited. He probably had kept his eye on it a little bit. I don't think he was micromanaging it. I think he was actually just wanting to coach kids how to play basketball. From that vantage point, yes. I do believe. And I do like the argument that what is the risk versus the reward of of doing this in college basketball? If we're the University of Louisville and we're winning national titles and we're competing in the ACC every single year, why are we going to risk all this to get sanctions and lose out on the big money every single year, right? Uh, especially if you miss the tournament like they did when they voluntarily pulled themselves out of the tournament, which another thing that he said, they shouldn't have done that. They should have just waited and see because it didn't even help them in the end, right? So all that stuff I kind of buy into, the risk versus the reward of a program. But when he was building Louisville to what it is currently, I I, I think I, I can't really, I mean, it takes a lot to build nothing to something, you know what I mean? And it takes a lot of back channeling to get from nothing to something. I don't necessarily... I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't know what was going on in, in the later stages of of their dynasty. He already built with Jurich. You know what I mean? Because he's already at the top. Yeah, you're already a corporation at this point. Like from the but from the start to start it all. Yes, I think Rick Pitino. I think Rick Pitino knew everything about Adidas. Right. I think he liked his contract with Adidas. I think he was trying to help both sides of the equation, and, and you know that's why it's all. It's a gray area, right? They, and and there you go. The loose ends are still out there. Speaking of which, as he's building the program, did you catch the part in the book? I, f- I forget who the other guy was, but one of them was Francisco Garcia. I know. Mm-hmm. Um, there were two recruits he mentioned. I forget who the first one was. I don't think it was Telfair. Uh, I, I, he, he had a brief section about Telfair, but uh, one of them was definitely Francisco Garcia, and, and I forget who the other one was. I'm not going to take the time to flip through and find it, but uh, he, he mentioned how like both he, – he did the Brian Bowen thing where he's like, both these guys were, it was crazy how easy it was to recruit them. Yeah. <laughs> and they just, <laughs> they just loved it. They just wanted to play just, for me. Yeah. They just love Louis. They, they just like bought in right away. It was crazy. And they, they wanted to come to Louisville and, and help build this program. And um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it's really interesting. Cause I think, I think the, the thing as serious journalists of college basketball, that you and I are, uh, we have to, you, you can't just like as tempting as it is, you can't just jump on the make jokes at Rick Pitino train and not stop to like actually, digest like what's going on and what is happening yeah the logistics um, of the situation yeah yeah like so so i think like the only way for us to to comfortably to reach a point where we can comfortably laugh about this and make jokes and like just roast patino for the rest of our lives is if we first understand his point of view i think we have you have to first like take a second and say okay let me let me entertain the idea that rick patino is innocent and is a victim in all this and as crazy as that sounds for people who are listening to hear me say those words. Um, I don't know. That's just kind of my belief is like before I'm going to to chastise a guy, I want to hear him out first. So mm-hmm. Innocent uh, until proven I did guilty. hear him out. Very American of you, Titus. Yeah, exactly. I believe in this justice system. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was willing, you know, like I'm willing to listen to him. And I think he does raise a lot of good, lot of good points. Like I, I, he's not directly tied to anything. As far as I know, there's not like a, a thing of evidence. And obviously... You know, the, the, it, it's a very North Carolina feel to the scandal, Tate, that uh, there's plausible deniability everywhere you look. Um, so kudos to him for that. Uh, he's he, he's following the Roy Williams playbook with this one. Um, but it, I like your silence, by the way. Yeah, I don't I'm speak on those things. Out my words yeah, all clear. To, just, all clear. Not even mentioned just, anymore. Okay. All right. It gets right. a sponge. Um no, so so uh, uh, I, I, I'm 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 with him. I'm like, listen, there's there's there actually like if you actually look at stuff, like there's not a ton that says like there's there's not the smoking gun that everyone thinks there is with Rick Pitino as it pertains to Brian Bowen, but it goes back to 
I guess the big issue I've always had with Patino and all of this is that he just does not, for the life of him, understand what the problem ultimately is. Like, he's defending himself against charges that I don't think anyone's necessary. Well, I guess not anyone, but certainly not me. I'm not, I'm not charging him with certain stuff. I'm not saying, Rick Patino, that you stuffed the duffel bag full of cash and handed it to Brian Bones' family. That's not the accusation. The accusation is that you have now had three, like, first of all, these three things did happen. All of them definitely did happen. This isn't like a, a Schleybach situation where it's like, are we even sure that there's a wiretap of Sean Miller? Does anybody even know? Like, we all we all concede that these three things definitely happen. And at a certain point, like, you have to, the, the buck has to stop somewhere, right? And and you can play the thing of, like, I didn't know all this, but that almost makes it worse, does it not? That 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 a man is, that one of your assistant coaches is getting all of these hookers. And he he did the best he could to defend, like, why I would not know about this. And I asked every player that ever played for me, I asked every coach, they all said they never knew anything. I asked security at the dorm. They said they never once saw hookers coming into the dorm room. And he's like, I can't believe it. How was I? How am I supposed to know? Am I supposed to be at these parties? Am I supposed to watch my assistants every hour of every day? And listen, you did the best you could, Rick, but like, you you have to know this stuff. You have to know about the the payments to Adidas. Which, by the way, like funny enough, speaking of speaking of invoking Schleybach's name, like I was googling stuff to refresh my memory on all the details about the Patino stuff. And if you Google Patino, like the news story comes up that that Patino basically knew that Brian Bowen was being solicited around, and he he didn't necessarily know that like Louisville was paying, but the the, the charges against Patino or like the charges is bad work because he's not being criminally prosecuted for this stuff. But the the, accusations. The, the 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 accusations the case against Patino was that he knew that Brian Bowen was being shopped around so unless you're an idiot you should know that he's being shopped around and he ended up at Louisville ipso facto someone on your staff paid him right so that's there's the story and I'm reading through the story and then I scroll to the top and it's written by Mark Schleipach yeah and you're like ooh, <laughs> ooh. It's like so maybe maybe Rick's right oh oh no but um the the greater point though I wanted to make is that like he just let it, it's not we're not saying that you are holding the smoking gun we're not saying that your hand is in the cookie jar we're saying that they're you cannot you can't like all three of these things are disastrous they they could bring down a lesser coach mm-hmm. if this happened at a lesser program with a coach that has a 600 winning percentage his ass would be fired in the snap of a finger right so uh he it, he, he just doesn't understand like what the problem is and i think that's like the biggest frustration i have with everything patino and why i don't feel bad and making fun of him because he's just completely lost. He even says like in the book at one point, Tate, like at the, in the very beginning, he, he he says the phrase like, I never cheated the game. Mm-hmm. I, I've never cheated the game and I've never cheated in the game. Like mm-hmm. he makes that clear. He wants it to be known that I've never cheated the game. And that might be fine. Like, You've never cheated the game, but you cheated the players. We're not we're not concerned with the game. Like this is yeah. a, you're a college basketball coach. You're not an NBA coach. Like there's more to it than just the game of basketball. So I don't know. I'll shut up now. You talk. I will say, if it goes awry at the bottom, then heads are gonna roll at the top. So it, it just that's just the way the world works, especially when you are Rick Patino. And Rick Patino is synonymous with Louisville basketball. You know, they were one and the same. When you thought about Louisville, you just thought about Rick Patino in, in a white get up staring at you like he will cut your right. throat for anything. Um and, and that was just that that was like the persona around Rick Patino. So it's really hard to to flip that the other way. I want to talk about Brian Bowen. So when Patino was talking about meeting with the family, uh, he said they never once alluded to anything to lead me to think that they were looking for something. 
Everything was above board. They didn't ask for anything. <laughs> mom was a delightful lady. Young man was a delightful young man. Still to this day, I don't believe the young man or the mom knew anything about what was going on. So that was Patino's interpretation of where Brian Bowen was on the scene. Obviously, you know, there's some phone calls, possibly potentially, right? When he was talking about like the, the Adidas phone calls about this kid um, mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. So that doesn't really match up with that quote. But that, that's what I, I think a lot of it was just... Uh, it was all window dressing, right? Like for for some of the stuff where he knew that he was going to have to address this point in this, you know, specific part of the book. So he window dressed it to say what he knew was, you know, basically unassailable. And then if you read between the lines in other places, you're like, oh, well, that's not the same logic that he just used to explain something else. You know what I mean? So right. like puzzling, exactly. puzzling it all together, you're like, there is no real foundation here. He's all over the place. Yeah, the, the three phone calls to Gato you're talking about, he, he, he lays them out. He's like, you know, it was it was reported that I had three phone calls yeah. with Gatto, and that was what brought me. That was why I was implicated. But what no one what no one wants to report is that two of them were voicemails, and he was calling me and leaving voicemails on my phone. Mm-hmm. So that's what no one wants to report is that he was just calling, saying, "Hey, coach, wanted to talk to you. Call me back." And that's pretty much all it was. Two of them were just voice, and it, it, like he keeps making this point. I'm like. So what about that third call, Rick? Yeah, it's like who leaves voicemails? <laughs> he said there were three calls. We get the two of them for voicemails. What about that third call? And then he actually mentions at one point he's like, "Yeah, the third call. Yeah, that was nothing. That that one that one doesn't count. There was really you're just gonna have to trust me on that one." It's like, well, see, that's the problem, Rick. <laughs> third call was <laughs> we got the him. Problem. He's like, "Yes, cool, thanks. See him on campus." And uh, the, there's a he, he and then Katina Powell, who's the the lady that you know was running the the hooker thing with mm-hmm. Louisville, and who I you know. I'm not going to defend her and say that she is a winner in any of this, um, but which, which is another, like, as, a, as an aside, when these sorts of things happen, people want to gravitate to, like, if you are against one thing, then you must be, that must mean you're for this thing or what, like, the, there is scenario, and usually this is the case, that basically everyone involved is just a shithead mm-hmm. and is an idiot and is, you know, not easy to root for. So, um, you know, I'm not going to root for Katina Powell, but, uh, I, I saw like Patino's basically going in on Katina Powell and, and rightfully so probably and saying how she's a liar and she doesn't, she can't get her facts straight and all of this. And then at one point he basically uses her testimony as like proof of something, you know, like he's always like, she's liar. I can't trust a word she says. And then a couple paragraphs later, he's like, mm-hmm. and by the way, Katina Powell said here that this <laughs> happened. So just keep that in mind, folks. Like if that happened, then how could this, and it's like, so are we are we believing her or not? Like what, what's what's the story yeah. here, Rick? Can't have it both ways. I don't know. He, he he kept doing that all over. He quote he he cited Buzzfeed at one point <laughs> as having as like Louisville having the most beautiful. Can- I don't. It, it was it was completely irrelevant to everything. But I, it was just funny that he was like Buzzfeed <laughs> called Louisville a beautiful campus. Yeah, and like yeah. I love I love the places that he picked. Who the fuck to, edited this book <laughs> to like describe things? Like the Oregonian says, uh, you know the the yeah. yeah. He was like picking all these random places that said nice things or, or reported in some way in a, in a flattering light. Uh, my favorite description in the book, and I thought the most. Uh, if the FBI, you know, investigation was the thing that got you in, in, involved in college basketball, Christian Dawkins, his description of him was awesome. A wannabe player in the world oh, of basketball. Awesome. Um, which I, I mean, I think that might be my, my new bio. I want to be player in the world of basketball. <laughs> um, that's, that's so good. Uh, that is the best shade that Rick could throw there. And then, and then his, this is my favorite, you know, he's talking about Christian Dawkins and the whole scheme and, and, you know, how they're like playing him up to be some mastermind. 
And he goes, you know, this is the person prosecutors seem to believe orchestrated one of the biggest college basketball corruption scandals in modern time. I'm not sure he could orchestrate a game of horse. <laughs> that is, I had to, that I had is to amazing. Too. I'm looking right at that. Yeah. That is so amazing. Yeah. I, I thought that was... That was a nice impression, by the I, way. I was like, thank you, Rick Pitino. That was, that was what we needed, America. Like, that, that is also debunks... Because the FBI thing, I mean, Slay Botch, we obviously know where that stands anyway, but... I thought that was the most damning line for for that whole FBI uh, that whole FBI sting. But that, that, I guess that, that goes back to the point I was making about Katina Powell is that I think Patino thinks that if I make it clear that Christian Dawkins and Katina Powell and Andre McGee and Fair and and Gatto and like all the, all the players in this thing, mm-hmm. if they're all corrupt and scummy and imbeciles and whatever else then people will realize that I'm good. Yeah. And to that I say, like, no. We did we realize mm-hmm. that all these people are scummy and idiots, but you that doesn't like absolve you of your sins either, Rick. And um that that was like, yeah, that was a frustrating theme throughout the book as well. I want to talk anyway. Yeah, I want so those are all scapegoats, right? So that's what, like that was the biggest thing in the in the book to me. It was, you know, there was a reason why like some people like just do what they got to do. And some people were trying to find excuses as to why whatever happened. And then that's what the second half of this book kind of turned into. It was, you know, talk, blaming fair, blaming all these other Katina Powell, everyone else, Andre McGee, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. But then I, I thought the most, uh, and I think we we're going to talk about this in the larger and talk about Papa John and all that stuff, but him, oh, go, yeah. he, first he calls Kentucky Camelot, you know, and, you know, he was like, I guess the King Arthur proxy to Camelot and, in Kentucky, and and then in that you know that euphoria, he came a lot. yeah, yeah. Is it is it came is it came a lot or Camelot? <laughs> yeah, I think he came a lot in Camelot, and then he you know came back to life and was like, wow, this is reality, and tried to figure it out. But but he but him the scapegoat that and the what he threw at Kentucky with the the rub card. The racism card. Yes, I mean that yes. was I that it. was five star. Oh my god, five star shade from Mister Rick Pitino. I mean, if you didn't think he was going to take Diversion one books, last bro. shot at Kentucky, then you were wrong because that was that was great A. That was perfect. I mean that that was that is the number one you know black mark on all things Kentucky basketball with the way Rupp you know used to be back in the day with you know if you can go back and look at some of the quotes he used to have in in games for sure, um, especially against Elgin Baylor, but. Patino throwing that out there and trying to, you know, resurface all that stuff and in today's time, well played. It was genius. This is it's diversion books. Like that that that's the one thing that he does not lack for is his ability to invoke 9-11 and his one eye that he can't see out of. Yeah. And he brought up Sam Gilbert too. I don't know if he caught that yeah. at one point. Yeah. That just, was great. It, it was completely out of the flow of everything <laughs> as well. Like again, th- this book was very shittily written, not just in the sense of like I know that Rick Pitino is full of shit. It was just like you're reading, you're you're following a story, then all of a sudden he's like, "By the way, anybody, everybody ever heard of Sam Gilbert, UCLA? He was dropping bags left and right in, <laughs> yeah. in Los Angeles for John Wooden." Uh, so anyway, so in Louisville, I was, and he just goes back to the thing. And it's like, I don't know, but but yeah, he he called out Adolph Rupp for being racist, which was just a, a beautifully played Pitino move. Um, and and I guess is it time to get into the, like the larger point and the, the big takeaway from the book, like the the lasting legacy of this book? Yes, let's which do is it. the uh, the Papa John's, Tom Jurich, Louisville Board of Trustees, <laughs> Governor of Kentucky. Yeah, basically, my takeaway, and and it got it, there's like a lot of moving parts in how Pitino was laying out this narrative of what happened and how Jurich got fired and and he got fired. Um, so I don't know really like how much of the specifics we should get into. Cause it's honestly, it's kind of boring, but uh, 
What's not boring is that he painted this picture, and you can you can stop me if you interpret it a different way, Tate. He he put forth the idea that his firing was a false flag operation <laughs> staged by Kentucky fans that the governor of Kentucky was basically he wanted to win the vote of Kentucky fans. So he got a bunch of Kentucky fans appointed to the board of trustees at Louisville. Mm-hmm. And then they wanted to fire Jurich and Patino to bring down the Louisville athletic department and by extension the university which would in turn glory would would, would amplify the university of kentucky that mm-hmm. was sort of that that was the story that i digested and, and and through all of that he accused papa john of being an actual kentucky fan and not a louisville fan yeah that was like the that excuse was, that he went with is how yes, it all happened that was the best so yeah so he blamed papa john schnatner is that how you say schnatner schnatter schnatter shitter I just I just call him the Papa when when we talk usually. I'm just <laughs> the, like, what's up, Papa? Yeah, the Papa. Yeah. Uh, David Grissom, Greg uh, Postle, uh, and then of course Matt Bevan. Who they're like, Matt Bevan is still out, you know, putting out uh, statements about uh, calling him like. I think we said that last week, like a regrettable, uh, like like a big, basically a bitter and sad person. Uh, was basically how he is describing Rick Pitino. Uh, I love that Rick Pitino said, uh, you know, when he got first hired, he got on Papa John's plane. Right when when he was uh, to fly him out to yeah. Louisville to get the job, and he was like, knowing what I know today, uh, I would I, I would I, I would have got he was like I would have gotten on a bus, taken a train, or walked, uh, and I just like did did Papa John like use that as blackmail? It's like you it's like you used my plane that one time, so you know you owe me. Get out of here. It's just crazy, dude. Uh, he he the the Papa John thing was great. Just that he. Papa John basically, it's my understanding that Papa John like donated some money to Kentucky once upon a time. And so Rick Patino was saying like, he, he's basically he's like, you're a fake Louisville fan. Yeah. Which I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree. I'm not pretending like I know, again, I, I need to reiterate just because I'm making fun of Patino doesn't mean like I side with Papa John in this beef. I, you know, I think they're both kind of. We are not on Papa John's side. No, that is official yeah. statement from the We are not on his side. Yeah. But just the idea that like Patino's like, hey, you have some ties to Kentucky in your past. As though Patino doesn't have ties to Kentucky <laughs> yeah. in his past. <laughs> it's all a projection. It's so great, dude. It's so great. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 the story was really interesting, but, but the way he was defending Jurich too, I think is noteworthy because he kept like bringing up, and we, we talked about Jurich. What was that? It was like a year ago, mm-hmm. whenever that ESPN story broke. And I've kind of made the same point a hundred times on the pod, just about like, you, when you build an empire and then and then you have to fall on the sword like the empire lives on so who really cares you did your job everyone's happy that's kind of Tom Jurich's legacy at Louisville is like I don't know anyway point is Patino in defending Jurich and, and why he shouldn't have been fired always points to like the 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 money side of things yeah how and much money man yeah raised a ton of money and like look at what he did like we were a commuter school and we, we, there was nothing, and he he built all of these new, brand new facilities for basically every single sport. And the one sport he didn't, they had a huge renovation. And like, just look at the, just open up the the books, look at the accounting at Louisville, and you'll see Tom Jurich is worth. And this is a man because of that, he has my full endorsement. I can't believe they fired him. And capitalism again. I, I 
I, I don't know why I need to keep saying this. Like, I don't know the story of the Louisville trustee. I'm not saying that they're smart for doing it. I'm not saying they're heroes for firing Tom Jurich and all that kind of stuff, but it just speaks to the bigger point of like, at a, like Rick, the money doesn't always matter. Like it, I know it does in like a cynical view. I know it does for a lot of people and that's what, how college sports operates and the best programs make the most money. I, I get all that. I understand the economics of college sports, but that shouldn't matter. And this is the problem that everyone's had with Patino at all time is that he, he cares about the game. I don't want to cheat the game. And then you point to the money. And like, that's never, ever been the problem with you, Rick. The problem is that you don't understand the hum- humanitarian side of things, that you're getting hookers for underage kids, that you're having sex with chicks in a Italian restroom, um, that you're, you're being shady as shit. Like just... The whole the whole scuzziness of it all, he just doesn't understand that part, and he just was like, "Hey, Tom George made money. What's the problem? I don't understand. I don't know." Yeah, I mean, he he, he had that quote where like Kentucky was Camelot and Louisville was real life, filled with up and downs, great friendships and betrayals. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is real life. Rick is living re- real life right now. You know what I mean? These are you have to pay for the consequences, right? At this point, we we're here. Like as much as it could have been a conspiracy to to oust him from from Louisville. You know what I mean? He, it was on his third strike anyway. Like, it's three strikes and you're out. Exactly. It, it wasn't the first time that dude, this anything is, came up. Not to make it, I mean, not to get off off topic or whatever, but like, this was sort of my frustration with how Ohio State handled the Urban Meyer thing and Urban Meyer's whole attitude towards his thing is that I, I've never like called for Urban Meyer's head on a on a stick. I don't think like, I, I've said it a thousand times. Like, I don't think Urban Meyer is a scumbag or a piece of shit or like, whatever everyone else wants to call him. Like if you look at the actual facts of the Ohio state thing, um, it, it there is, there is a pretty big gray area with urban Meyer, but the, the point I'm saying is like all these scandals that happen with the, with the coaches is, is there is a certain element for, this is just my opinion, but I think you do have that, that element of the buck stops here. Like it doesn't always have to be fair necessarily for the coach. Like sometimes someone does have to fall on the sword and something does have to happen. And that's part of the responsibility. I mean, not to quote Spider-Man, but with, with great power comes great responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. these, if, if you want to be just making millions and millions and millions of dollars and get all of these perks and you have like side deals with Adidas and like you are the king of the empire, then when shit hits the fan, whether you were directly involved, whether you were the one throwing the shit at the fan or not, like somebody has to take responsibility. And in my view, the best, and it's again, it's easy for me to say, I, I am not the boss of anybody. I am not really much of a leader for pretty much anything. Um, so it's really easy for me to sit here and say this, but I like to think that like, if I was putting those positions, I would understand that at least, or, or I, I don't know. That doesn't necessarily mean that you should, you should commit career suicide if something bad happens at your program. But I just think there's a certain point, and this is why no one wants to hear about Rick Pitino being a victim, is because you are responsible. And someone, and and this is my frustration with the Ohio State thing, is that how can nobody at Ohio State have lost their job over that except for Zach Smith, you know? And it's like, I don't know. People will disagree. Reasonable minds are free to disagree and say, if you did nothing, if you didn't do anything wrong, why should you suffer your punishment? I just think that, like, once you're in that position of power and you're overseeing all of this, um, and and especially when you're on your third strike, like you said, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it, it so as he said about Kentucky, anyway. it, it casts an ugly shadow on the school if, if you're in, intertwined in constant scandal. And, uh, you know, and no one knows this is what really the motivations are behind your program other than winning and making money. 
This got way too serious, by the way. Let's let's make fun of him some more and let, then wrap this let, up. Yeah, um, let's get let's get back to making fun of, of this guy. I will say, I think my favorite thing was that Rick Pitino wanted this whole Kentucky Louisville, you know, coup to be uh, boiled down to the fact that it was the country folk versus the city slickers. Um, which is yeah, that was weird too. Which is very very smart. Uh, it, you know, it, it would have worked in North Carolina for sure. Definitely probably will work in Kentucky because that's a split. You know, urbanization is real. You know, some people that moved to the cities in those states uh, don't have uh, an affinity for those who live in the rural areas uh, and vice versa. So him playing that card that Louisville is like the cool city slickers and uh, Kentucky is like the old bluegrass, you know, old school way of thought. Uh, I, I thought that was great framing uh, as far as Rick Pitino. And I, you, you talked about the legacy of this book. I think if you ask Rick Pitino what he wants the legacy to, of this book to be, it was that he was the pioneer and the first guy to bring up uh, all the shoe deals, you know, saying that he met with Mark Emmert in 2015, and then he had the whole press conference sequence mm-hmm. when when he said that, you know, someone asked him, you know, like I know what an interview trick is. It was a leading question, but I gave them a leading answer. You know what I mean? So he, like him mm-hmm. doing that uh, and making those comments, like I think his whole point of this book was to say, like I ended up being the face of this whole like AAU, uh, Adidas, Nike BS that's going on in college basketball, but I was also the first one to point out that it was happening. In case you forgot. Right. Right. And yeah, by the way, yeah, I'm the good guy and all. This. Yeah, I'm the good guy. Uh, you got any other questions? Uh, by the way, don't forget the don't forget the theme of the book. Yes. I'm the good guy. Yes. Uh of course, always a good guy. We need to get to the other questions cuz I I have a few other thoughts I want to get over, but all right. I don't know if we have more questions we should Yeah, the, the I mean the the questions uh, you know, the last ones are course of like would you would you recommend this book? Uh, we'll probably skip that one. And the no. La- the la- yeah, no, the that's a no. And that's a that's a no for me. Everything dog. you need to know about the book. I think I think we've said everything you need to know about the book. I mean, there are obviously like there's funny little nuggets throughout yeah. that um you might find interesting that we didn't really cover. Uh, just again, like honestly, my favorite part was the story about his career. Not so much because I cared about him. It was just like the tangential people in his life, like the idea that Herb Sindek mm. was one of his GAs at Providence, I believe. Yeah. Um, love her. I found that fascinating that, that Jeff Van Gundy and Herb Sindek were the pro were the, I, I believe those were the two guys who were the GAs at Providence under Patino, which by the way, I don't know if you knew this tape, uh, Thad Mata comes from the Herb Sindek coaching tree. Yes. Of and Herb Sindek, as I've learned, comes from the Rick Patino coaching tree. I'm from the Thad Mata tree. So <laughs> complete the circle. I am from the Rick Patino coaching tree. You're in they, the family. They, that's what I learned. Really. Yes. But, all in the yeah, family. I'm in the family. So can't wait. Yeah. Start dropping yeah. bags. Anyway, ASAP. uh, I would, no, I would not recommend this book. It's a, it's a, it's a no for me. Yeah, it's a, it's no. a no for me, dog. It's a no for me, dog. Uh, last one is: Would this book make a good movie? Uh, and if so, can you cast the film? I don't think we need to, we didn't need to go that mm. far. Uh, but I, I just wanted to know in your head, who do you see playing Coach Patino? Because I have a few thoughts. Hmm. It's very hard. It's very hard to to get him. I mean, I mean, Pacino twenty stereo- years ago is perfect, but we're past yeah, that. the stereotypic thing is like the Italians like De Niro or Pacino right of course I mean that's the that Pacino Pacino seems like the obvious one not even just because his name sounds familiar which by the way uh, did you catch the part that like Pacino was basically hired at Penn State but then Joe Paterno said you can't come here because football I'm Paterno and you're Pacino yeah. and they'll think it's too close <laughs> it's too close it's too, we're too close yeah they're gonna have to call you Coach Rick Paterno, Paterno said, "I don't want to get involved with your future scandals. That would solely my legacy. <laughs> yes, and I have a I have a sterling reputation around these parts, and I can't have I can't take any risk with you. So. He's been the good guy all along. It's, it's for me. Based on as as we keep finding it's, out, the yeah. more that we do the research, we we realize that we've been slay botched by our own perceptions in life. 
I think Rob Lowe as Rick Pitino doing an Italian accent is what I want. <laughs> That's what I want. And I want it to be like, I want it to be low grade. Like I want it to be, everyone's like, wow, <laughs> how much was this budget? You know what I mean? Like I want it to be, the set is falling apart. Yeah. Rob Lowe's forgetting his lines. He's like well, falling back into Chris Traeger every once in a while. Like that. That's what I want. So in in that case, why don't we do? I got two better names for you. Um, mostly because I just watched Face Off like a week ago. Uh, why not Travolta and or Nick Cage? No, Nick Cage is. Why not? Oh, Nick Cage is. Nick Cage should play like, Papa John. That's what I want. Nick Cage is Papa John. <laughs> Nick Cage plays. <laughs> do you Travolta want some of this plays, pizza? Yeah. So good. <laughs> um. I don't so again like the book I think the book would make a shitty movie but the story would make a good movie if that makes sense. Yeah. It, that that's my that's my final verdict. It's like <laughs> didn't they make the it story in blue is chips? good. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah. Except the blue chips, I don't remember Nick Nolte in an Italian restaurant. Oh, we need that scene. I can't I can't stress enough like how do you leave this out of the book, Rick? I, like you don't want to upset your family. I get it, but this is all anyone wants to hear about. Mm. It's just I don't know. I don't know. And so uh, speaking of speaking of the Italian restaurant and all that stuff, do you th- how long do you think Rick Pitino jokes are in play? Because I'll be honest, like I'm sort of getting burnt out by them. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of like and I know that I'm the I I I use them all the time. I've I've made a hundred of them sexual jokes and 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 fifteen seconds and all that kind of stuff. Um do you think this is going to be forever? Do you think like do you think like 10 years from now when I'm writing a column and I need a funny line and I'm just like, I leave a blank there and I come back and revisit it. I'm going to make like a Rick Pitino 15 second joke because it'll still be in vogue. Or do you think there's a shelf life for this stuff? Yeah. I, at a certain point, people are going to be like, this is annoying. It's, it's not funny anymore. I think people will, will I think it will become uh, not kosher to do for for a little period of time because it'll be worn out and then it'll come back. It's like, that's, yeah. what, it's like, that's what she said. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's that's what she said. We'll come back one day. Like you'll see a seventh grader yeah. say it, and you're gonna go, "Oh my gosh, it's back." That is Rick Pitino jokes. I mean, I'm I, I we obviously didn't even make as many as I thought we would just going into the book itself. But I think that we were both. I mean, I hate to say it. I think we were both so upset by the product itself that we got serious. He turned us into yeah. journalists. He turned us into serious. Yeah, because I, I was very offended. I wanted something. I, it was it was in that no man's land of. Of a it was a bad book, but it wasn't bad for the good reasons. It was, you know, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't funny bad. It was just like kind of, <laughs> yeah, it was bad, bad. Yeah. <laughs> so I have, I have two more thoughts I want to share, and then if you have something else, we can touch on that too. But um, because I, I was just flipping through throughout the as we were recording the pod, and, and just things jumped out to me that I highlighted. Um, on page two thirty four, for those of you who do on the book, and God, I hope you saved your receipt if you did buy it. Um. He says, I've told friends for years I wouldn't have paid five bucks to coach my favorite player of all time, Michael Jordan. It's not worth it. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that, Tate, as a, as a Carolina guy, as a Jordan guy. Um, Michael Jordan is not worth $5 to Rick Pitino. Whew. And Brian Bowen is worth 100000 So this is the man <laughs> and that we, it, worth and, and this is the man's this, character that we're trusting. So, uh, so that, obviously, th- this is probably made. the worst example of, wh- of what I started the podcast talking about, of how he just goes above and beyond with his denial and it's like dude that doesn't work like no one no one's reading that and been like well well damn i guess that's a good point if he wouldn't pay five dollars for michael jordan <laughs> why would he pay a hundred thousand for brian bowen it's great great point there rick like all, all anyone does is you read that and you're like all right this guy is completely full of shit because mm-hmm. there's, there's like the cleanest coach on earth would pay five dollars for michael jordan are you kidding me 
what, what are you what are you talking about, Rick? Thank, um, so that jumped out to me. Thank and goodness then, Michael Jordan's parents um, just wanted him to go to Carolina to get a good education and learn from a great coach. Yeah, that's that's thank the best. Goodness. That's the best. That's all I can thank ask goodness. for. Great edu- great education at UNC Chapel Hill. So good. Um, yeah. Did, what, what did Jordan major in? Do you know? Geography. FM. Nah, geography. Got to know the world. We're about to travel and take over. He was right. And then he dropped. And, the, and then Mike he dropped was right. Out. People forget. He just did it. People forget he dropped out of North Carolina. He graduated. What a bum. Um, <laughs> I, I wanted to get this last thought in, and then uh, we can we can wrap all this up. Um, the final chapter, the aftermath, and he's doing his like mm-hmm. right off into the sunset because we're never going to see Rick Pitino again. You know, like he's doing these press tours. He's saying, "I'm retired. This is it. I wanted to put this book out and then be done with it, and I'm going away." And he also said like two months ago, I'm never doing an interview again. And then like three months before that, he was like, this is my one exclusive interview. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I have a feeling we might be seeing him again. But um, his final chapter, Riding Off Into the Sunset, he writes a chapter about adversity. And this was these were my these were strangely my favorite parts in the book because these actually were funny um, in a bad way. Like in a I'm laughing at you for sure, not with you way. Um, these little moments, like you said, where he's like lecturing you or he's being a coach. He's like coaching the reader, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and the very final chapter, it's called the, the chapter is called the aftermath. The section he's writing on adversity, and he says, um, uh, uh, he he he's talking about the time that he brought his faith into it. What, what did he say? Oh, when he was talking to Billis, he said, "I had a one-on-one interview with Jay Billis on ESPN. A well-known preacher from Louisville called me to say God knows the truth. Leave it in His hands." That hit home for me, and I mentioned it to Jay while I was answering his question. Soon after, someone sent me a piece by a popular writer who tore into me for bringing God into the conversation. Is it bad? Like, by the way, I'm going to stop right here. Is it bad that um, my ego is so big that I read that and thought it might be me? Yeah, honestly, as you were reading that, I thought that it might be you. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, did I miss this? Yeah, he said a popular writer. (laughs) Yeah, he tore into me, and I was like, oh, shit, was it me? And then I was like, no, no, you're not a popular writer, Mark. Calm down. Um. But then the next part, he says, how did I respond? I laughed it off. So he, he played the, uh, I'm not mad, I'm actually laughing card. Yeah, it's funny to me. Yeah. If you, I'm not upset. If you can't turn to God during times of crisis, who can you turn to? This writer totally missed a fundamental truth. It was actually funny. And I realized I knew how to conquer adversity in that moment. So here are the six steps to turn the tide against misfortune. And he lays out his six steps for people to follow. Because he, he lays out your six steps when you're faced with times of adversity, Tate. So you ready for this? Yeah, we're going to go through these for the, for the listeners. Teach us. Step one is laughter. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, we, 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 we got that one covered. We are, we are definitely taking that one for you, Rick. Um, don't you worry about the laughter. We will, we will handle that. Um, step two, stay away from social media. And he goes <laughs> in with his, uh, his little, he, he, he went on these rants throughout the book as well about millennials these days and social media and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and that. So he says, stay away from social media is how you handle adversity. Idleness is the devil's workshop. Nice. Is step three. Never heard that. So don't be idle. Just o- always do something. Always I wake up at wake up early and, and stay busy. Step four is don't let rejection get you down. Um yeah. Step five. <laughs> step five <laughs> yeah. though. Step five though, is and this is where it gets juicy. Take ownership for your dilemma. And I don't know. At at, at this point, he says, and he, and he goes on. He's trying to he's trying his best to take ownership. He's yes. like, the, the fact is, I think he I hired he Andre McGee and Jordan Fair. Yes. Yeah, I have to live with the consequences of that decision, and everything is set in motion. 
Still, offering up excuses can seem like a sign of weakness. Better to admit your shortcomings and accept that bad breaks are part of life. Once you own up to things and accept the situation, you can learn from it. I can't. And you're reading all these things, and I can't get over. And you're like, I can't oh get over God, shortcomings. I can't get over that. Oh, shortcomings. That's too that's good. A great word. Thank yeah. you, thank you, Rick. See, he is funny. But he, he, so he's saying these things, Tate, and and it's just like if you're reading it. You're like, oh man, I like this. That that going back to your question, is this likable? Like, if you're reading this, you're like, oh, this man's likable. But then you realize, he literally does not do any of these things that he's saying to do, mm-hmm. and that's very frustrating. And then step six is you must have faith. And he gives a shout out. I'm so appreciative to my old friend Dick Vitale. Since I was fired, Dick has called me three to four times a week. Not text messages, not emails. He makes live, actual phone calls. So those are those are the stick steps. So anyone listening, you're going through a tough time. Just please remember that. Make sure you laugh. Make sure you stay away from social media. Mm-hmm. Make sure you do not stay idle. Don't let rejection get you down, which is which is just a great step. Step four is don't let rejection get you down, which is basically like, don't be sad. <laughs> uh, step five, take ownership. And step six, you must have the faith and call Dick Vitale. Yeah, I was going to say so. and call Dick Vitale. That's that's what it is. That is what it is. Always. And then he also and then he Vitale. also goes on to talk about how. Bill Clinton called him after he won the 2013 national championship. So mm-hmm. that was also fun. Yeah. That was the last highlighted thing I had in the book. Yeah. Two kindred That's it. spirits. You got anything else? Two kindred spirits coming together. Uh, yeah. I just wanted to say I, uh, I've i really, really enjoyed having this book club. And I, I spent. We should do it again. Three three days like reading this book while doing a, a myriad of other things, including flying across the country, uh, watching a premiere of Rob Lowe's new Bad Seed movie uh, that my roommate helped work on. Boy, was that a good time. And it, it, it was such a good movie, and I was so floored by it that I broke a wine glass in my hand. A shard of glass went into my wrist. I was bleeding all over the place. So like a mo- like a like out of Scary Movie 3 or something, uh, just like out of nowhere, blood everywhere. People are laughing because they can't believe it's actually happening. I can't believe it's happening. My wrist is wrapped up right now. I'm hopefully getting back to 100% health. But throughout all this, I read this whole book. Uh, I, went, oh I, was, I was at the hospital. They were like, trying to figure out they're trying to get the the glass out of my arm and I'm sitting there on my phone to the left reading the Rick Pitino book and I'm sure that they were like <laughs> what in the hell is wrong with this guy why what is he doing why why yeah. why, why is he reading a book about Rick Pitino while he has glass in his arm um, and that's because I'm dedicated to the podcast and I'm dedicated to Rick Pitino so that's all I can say. Man, that must be some book. Yeah, yeah they were and I, meanwhile I hate the book so I'm just like hating my life yeah, I'm, right. like, I'm like this is my nightmare. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers to Tate for dude the 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 positive spin on this is that you are so strong that you crushed a mm. wine glass mm. with your bare hands. Thank you. That's what you need to focus on. Focus on that. I'm never my new um, my new stance in life is why why do we drink wine out of glasses that uh, it could easily hurt any of us? You know what I mean? Why are we do why do mm. we have such a dangerous item in our hand while we're drinking something to get intoxicated? <laughs> why would we not put it in like copper mugs or anything that's not as dangerous as glass? Right? Come on, we're smarter than this. It's a great. It's a great question. Let's figure because it out. People, because people, people want to look classy. Like it, people want to look elegant. Yeah, it matters. Yeah, dude. Speaking of which, as an aside, I watched that documentary. What was it? I think it was called Sam, like Somalier, but abbreviated. Yeah, yeah. I want to say on Netflix. Of course. Where they were like, they were, they were did a doc on all these people that try to become wine experts, and I, I've been out on wine ever since then. Like you, you, you the, basically the takeaway from the doc is that even the experts have no idea what the hell they're talking about, which I guess is kind of the theme of this podcast. But, um, they, 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 they would, they would give them a wine and like all these people would have just wildly different 
thoughts on like what, what it kind was. of wine, what yeah. kind of grapes it was, the and like the notes and yeah. yeah, yeah. And these were people that were like, you know, th- this was Somalis. their whole life to study this yeah, stuff. Yeah. So they live for that. So, so yeah, the point is, I think you do the glass because it's supposed to affect the taste, but nobody can actually tell the difference in wine taste anyway. That's that's been my I've been out on wine ever since. Yeah, then, so. I'm well, I'm, um, I'm out on glasses. Across the board. <laughs> no more glass. No more glass. If you serve, if yeah. you serve me a drink in a glass, and I'm like, sending like it even the movie Shattered Glass that I really like. Like I'm out on that now. Anything with glass, I'm out for the next at least at take least a, at least three you're, months. You're taking like a I'm, you're taking a Gatorade water bottle to you to every bar, and you're like, can you please just pour the beer in this for me? Sure, yes, thank you. <laughs> yes, here's my solo cup. Thank you, sir. Have a good um, night. Uh, my my parting thought is I am about to actually as soon as we get done recording this, I am heading to Dallas, Texas, Ooh. Dallas slash Fort Worth, Texas. For a few things, Tate. Number one, uh, I'm going to do the trifecta of football, the Texas trifecta. I don't know if that's a real thing, but uh, maybe I should I should brand it that. Going to a high school football game on Friday. Mm. Going to Ohio State TCU on Saturday. Going to Cowboys Giants on Sunday. So we're doing the Texas football trifecta. Um, and I guess the reason I'm bringing this up is like anybody in the Texas slash Dallas slash Fort, Fort Worth area yeah. know of any high school? If you know if you know of any high school football games that I need to go to on Friday night, please let me know. Uh, and and don't and don't be selfish with it. Like this, it, the worst thing people can do is like, oh, I'm a high school senior at this school, and and you should come to us because I want to meet. No, screw you, dude. Like, I, listen, I'll meet you at some point, but no, I I don't. I, I, what I want to watch is good football. I want to watch good old fashioned. Yeah. Booby Booby Miles Friday Night Lights football plus, is what I'm looking for. Plus so it, give me so if you know of like the best game or whatever some rivalry, please let me know. It may not reflect. You know, you may need to listen to Rick Pitino and stay off social media. It may not reflect well on you that like an 18 year old high school boy is asking you to come to his football game. <laughs> you know, maybe Rick was right. The more I do this listen, podcast, dude, have, I'm like Rick is right. You know, uh, yeah. Rick is right. <laughs> Rick, Rick is, did nothing. That, that, there's your T-shirt. Rick did nothing wrong. Or Rick is Rick is right. <laughs> Rick is right. Um, I'm not saying he's not wrong, then, but, but he's right. <laughs> but the other the other point I was going to say is uh, I'm I'm trying to go to TCU and SMU because I want to I want to bring that up again is that we've rivalry. been on this we've been on this bandwagon for a while that is the it is the next great rivalry in college basketball the money down there is just pouring into both programs uh, Jamie Dixon has got TCU back if if they were ever there in the first place they're kind of there now. SMU doing SMU things. Mm. They're a great program. We got we got to get them out of the American. We got to get their football team back from the death penalty so they can be like in a real conference. But uh, they're doing they're doing great things anyway. Um, so yeah, I'm excited, Tate. I'm gonna go try to visit those and make a decision. I'm going on like I'm going on basically a college visit to TCU and SMU, and I'm gonna make a decision on the rivalry. Yeah, this the, week is my goal. The Dallas so. decision. My friend Sean uh, down at SMU, great man. I uh, used to work there with Larry Brown. Going to take you around to practice, right? You're gonna, have, I mean, you're, you're gonna be all over the place. I can't wait. Yeah, can't wait SMU, SMU. As of right now, SMU is an official visit. TCU is an unofficial visit. Yes. I'm trying to make TCU an official visit. So if anybody can swing that, that would be awesome as well. But um, yeah, I'm going to Dallas. I'm going to report back. Uh, they actually just played in football, by the way. SMU was out to a big lead. I think it was on Friday night. I was watching. I think I was watching that game. SMU got out to like a 9-0 lead. And then I was texting my buddies. I was like, "Oh shit!" Because because Ohio State's about to play TCU football. I was like, "Uh oh." TCU looking vulnerable, and then TCU just beat the hell out of them, and that was that. But non-zero um, sounds anyway, fun though. Good for we, SMU. We care more about the we care more about the basketball rivalry. So um, I'm gonna get down there and try to figure out what's what with that. So uh, anything else before we go, Tate? No, that's it. Uh, actually, Cole Anthony, number one point guard in the country, official visit mm-hmm. to the University of North Carolina to just Duke. scheduled today. To just happen. Uh, Congratulations, Cole. 
Love Greg Anthony. Love the runner. Don't Rebels. dude. Don't do this to yourself. Don't do this to yourself. I'm buying in. I know he's going to Duke. I'm right? buying back in. Yeah, I know. He'll probably go to Duke, but for right now, I'm having fun. This is Zion 2.0. <laughs> yeah, I think this, this is, is this is just Carolina <laughs> basketball fandom. You know, it's uh, somebody number two. Right somebody now. out there, please save these clips of Tate like talking about how much he loves Cole Anthony. So when he commits to it's, Duke, it's all a diversion. Like, it's all a diversion. I always hated this guy. <laughs> it's all a diversion. It's all a diversion. I got Kobe White. And the Tate goes. Cole, Cole Anthony was not even that good. We can say, dude, here is hours and hours of footage of you saying how great Cole Anthony is. No, I'm rooting for you, man. That'd be great. That'd be that'd be awesome. We'll see what be happens. Exciting for Carolina. Yeah, we'll see. Man, if they can just catch a break, that'd be great for them. Mm. Just one break for North Carolina would be nice. Um, all right. Thank you guys for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed the Rick Patino book club. I think we're gonna put can I can I can I end with one last joke? Yes. Tate. Yes. I think we're going to put Rick Patino to bed now. Mm. see what i did there mm-hmm. um i think we're i think i at least for me i'm gonna go on a little moratorium for uh is that the right word for a little while yeah I'm just kind of i don't know put him off i'm, to I'm, the I'm side. a little burnt out on the whole patino thing yeah we'll put him off to the side if he does something crazy we might revisit it but um i'm excited for the season to start i'm i'm ready to look ahead focus on all the stuff that's coming uh damn it i did it again there's another <laughs> patino joke um so yeah thank you for listening we will be back to your regularly scheduled nonsense next week Save the crew.